Today's podcast is brought to you by my book, The Sex Spiral, Forgiven and Free from Pornography. The Sex Spiral will teach you God's design for sexuality, the triggers that lead to porn addiction, and how to exit the sex spiral with a purity plan for your life. You can order online at Amazon.com or any other retailer. Hey, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's show. The Dustin Daniels Show. Broadcasting from beautiful downtown Phoenix, from the Faith Talk Studios in the Camelback Towers. Unashamedly proclaiming God's purity through His Son, Jesus Christ. Devoted to saving marriages. Dedicated to protecting children. Addressing sex with biblical truth and without shock value. You're listening to the intersection of life and lust. Call toll-free at 1-855-5-DUSTIN. And now, here's your host, Purity Pastor Dustin Daniels. If you are a basketball fan, you'll never forget Game 5 of the 1997 NBA Finals. It was called the Flu Game, and it was one of Michael Jordan's most memorable. Remember prior to the game, Jordan was fighting the flu, and he was going up against a revitalized jazz team. They had just won two games in a row to tie the series. And Chicago needed its leader in this vital swing game. And leave it up to Jordan to have one of the greatest games of all time. Struggling to even stand at times, Jordan, he scored 38 points to win in a 90-88 victory over the Utah Jazz. If you're a football fan, you most likely remember Ronnie Lott. He played in a 1985 playoff game with a crushed finger that eventually had to be amputated. Baseball, you ask? Well, how about Kurt Schilling and how he won Game 6 of the 2004 ALCS on a bloody ankle? And before the game, remember, he had some type of crude, nasty surgery where the, where the tendon in his ankle was actually stitched to the tissue. <laughs> These are just a few examples of unbelievably talented and, and passionate athletes who played through tremendous pain to win. And the question that we want to ponder today is, why don't we play through the pain in our marriage? Well, let's find out. When the NBA never drafted a gentleman by the name of Brian Goins, he decided to go into full-time pastoral ministry. Brian and his bride of 15 years, they set up shop in Charlotte, North Carolina. They have three children, and he is the president of a nonprofit ministry called Catapult Concepts. Brian is also the author of a book titled Playing Hurt, A Guy's Strategy for a Winning Marriage. Brian, welcome to the Dustin Daniels Show. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks so much, Dustin. Hey, give us the big picture behind this book. What what led you to write it? Well, you know, it's funny. You, you basically just said it. Um, you know, when it comes to sports, I'm a fanatic, like a <laughs> lot of guys, and I gravitate towards stories where 
men put the, their pain behind them for the sake of the team. And I notice that guys, you know, as I, as I speak to guys, and I, I know you do around the country, we as men uh, are willing to play through pain when the game's on the line, when the business is on the line, when our hobbies are on the line. But when we get hurt in marriage, when I get hurt in marriage, I tend to find the bench. So uh, I, I find that guys have this incredible ability to put the pain behind us, um, except in the art of relationships. That's when we tend to sulk or pout or shout. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that we ride the bench and in marriage, but rather than move in the way God calls us to. So I noticed that in my own life, and I noticed that guys really respond well to um, stories about sports. And so I just kind of merged those two and made the book really short. And so <laughs> I think guys actually can get through it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you begin the book, and you, you say this in your book. Jesus endured the wounds inflicted by both his bride and on behalf of his bride. And boy, that really struck a great chord with me, Brian. Explain, explain to us what you meant by that and, and relate that to our marriage. Yeah, you know, we, we think about loving um, like Christ. Every guy knows that we're supposed to love our, our bride like Christ loved the church. Yeah. But we don't tend to unpack what Paul means in Ephesians by that. And that really that love is exemplified the fact by his is marked by great sacrifice. That that love is marked by pain. It's marked by being wounded. It's marked by um, the fact that the the bride was the one that hated Christ. Romans five eight says that you know, God demonstrated His own love for us in this while we were enemies or sinners. So that word really is their enemies while we were against Him. You know, He He sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins. So really, the only way that we can truly love our brides like Christ is after we've been wounded. You know, anybody can love a, a, a lovable person. Uh, I love, you know, it, it's natural for me to love my bride when she looks great, acts well, speaks well towards me. But the minute that she disrespects me, the minute that she, you know, I feel like my libido starves, whatever it might be, then it's the question, am I willing to love through those wounds? Talk about how this book can actually help single folks. I know we're talking about marriage today, but man, as I, it just occurred to me, what a powerful book this is for those who are single getting ready, uh, maybe not dating, maybe in the yeah. process of, of the engagement. Um, right. Wow. What, with a knucklehead like me, Brian, your book would, speaks volumes of what to do and what not to do. Mm. How, can a, how can a single guy benefit from this? Well, and I, I think more than anything, it's setting the expectations. I think marriage is filled oh, yeah. with mm-hmm. unmet and often unspoken expectations, and we can't help but bring a boatload of them into marriage. And so to be able to set and frame what love really looks like, I think our culture, especially um, singles, um, and I'm, this is the way I was when I was getting married, I had, I mean, I had no idea really what love meant. Um, I, you know, I was in love with the idea of love, but to truly understand that that love is really far more about those moments of sacrifice or far more about the chance that, you know, to be for, to forgive someone, I've got to be wounded. And so to go into marriage, to go into a relationship with the idea of a real definition of love, one that matches the Bible rather than our culture, I think would be a, a big benefit. And, and maybe more than anything, just to maybe open up the eyes, you know, and it's kind of like a scouting report for marriage. So it's like, you know, you know, the team that you're going to, want to go play, you want to try to read up on them or watch tape of them before you actually play the team. And, and maybe this book could be that. It could be kind of game film for what marriage will look like uh, for somebody that's either going to get married or wants to get married. 
men love titles, Brian, and, and what does the title husband actually mean? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, you know, it, it, it really comes from, it's really a, a term that was used in, um, with horses, believe it or not, and the idea of, of, of serving, being a good husband to, you know, if you were a husbandry, you were, you were taking care of horses. And so not that you're calling your wife that, but, um, you know, it really is this idea of, of being a servant to something and to take care, to uh, make sure that it is, um, it, that the, in terms of horses, that the horses use well, that it's, that it's cared for, that it's not just something that's abused. But more than anything in the Bible, um, you know, we see husband in Ephesians five that when guys are given a title, if they don't give it, get a job description, bring a lot of <laughs> a lot of baggage to that. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. I, you know, I try to try to walk through Ephesians five and talk a lot about the fact that that title has a job description, and and we just need to we just need to apply what what God is telling us to do in each one of those situations. So. Yeah, and you, you do a really good job of talking about uh, this word called headship and mm-hmm. how it has far more to do with the responsibility and the, right. and the accountability than it does with any type of position and authority because the position and authority, that's kind of a, that's kind of a cultural thing, isn't it, that we try to bring into our marriage from, I don't know, from a corporate or maybe even from a, a, a ministry position yeah. or title? Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when I was rowing um, back in high school because the football coach didn't call on me. I was way too skinny, and <laughs> and I just I was tall. And so the rowing coach, he he got a hold of me, and I remember the first day that he told me that I was going to be you know in this long skinny boat with eight other guys, and he gave me a position, and it was called stroke. I had no idea what stroke meant. Did not know that meant that my my job was to set the pace of the boat, that it was to you know keep the right speed, it was to listen to the coxswain, which is a really uncomfortable word for a guy that steers the boat and barks out commands, and I sit close to him, and it didn't mean I was any better than anybody else in the boat. In fact, you know, when we won medals, it wasn't like you gave the stroke an extra medal. Right. Uh, we were equal, you know, especially in rowing, you see it true. Everybody displaces the same amount of water. And the same thing is true in marriage. You know, God looks at husband and wife and says, you, you both are displaying the same amount of water, but somebody's got to set the pace. And it doesn't mean that we're any better. It doesn't mean we have a lot of great experience. I had no experience coming into being a husband. And, um, and, and I didn't realize that what it meant was far more about setting the pace spiritually, setting the pace emotionally, setting the pace um, you know, with, with conversations relationally. And I tended to let Jen do that. You know, my wife's name is Jen, and you know, I tended to let her set the pace. And really, husband was when the big decisions came. That's when I, that's when I stepped in. I think a lot of guys think that as long as I provide and protect my wife, that that's really what it means to be a good husband. Uh, but but really, it's it's setting the pace and sitting close to God to hear what are his instructions for this family regarding debt, regarding spiritual discussions, regarding conversations, and to, to be the one to, to lead out first in those areas. I love that. Tell us more about the this rowing, because I'm assuming I've seen it on television, but... I would think that if someone is trying too hard and yeah. or if someone is trying just uh, not hard enough, that, that that is going to basically hinder the entire performance of, of the team. Yeah, excuse the boat. I mean, it's, you know, the, the guy up, the guy that's in the front or really the back because you're rowing backwards, 
you know, he's steering the boat, he's the coxswain. And if a guy ends up either pulling more weight or letting not pulling enough weight, the boat gets all skewed, it gets all askance. And so you you have to pull the same amount of weight at the same speed. And when that happens, you feel this this great momentum. You feel this you feel like you're just gliding. But when you're constantly fighting against each other, mm-hmm. when there's a sense of man, I, I feel like I need to have my more priority. I need to have more dominance. I need, you know, then you're always fighting the water. You're you're fighting the inevitable drift of the water. And I think the same thing is true in marriage. Why God gives us roles, He gives us distinct roles, He gives us distinct responsibilities because He wants us to pull in. We, he knows we work the same amount of time, the same amount of energy. But if you don't kind of operate in your role, then what happens is that you're constantly fighting against the water, against each other. And so, um, yeah, that's why I like Ephesians 5, is that it's a short playbook for husbands and wives on how to do that, how to live that out. And, and I would imagine as a team that if, if everybody's fighting against one another or fighting against the water, then you're not going in a straight line, and you're going to no. be off course. Yeah. Man, that's a great analogy. I love that. Speaking of, of Ephesians 5, the mystery of, of marriage is, is absolutely profound. I can't, I, Brian, I can't even wrap my, my head around the beauty, the purity, and the holiness of what marriage is. Are, are we missing this mysteriousness of marriage in our culture right now, you think, or no? I, I think so. I mean, think about it. It's like we celebrate weddings. We love to talk about weddings. We love to talk about, you know, there's HGTV shows. Not that I watch any. I'm sure you don't either. <laughs> Bravo, you know, say yes to the dress. I've heard about these shows. Yeah. Oh, we have goodness. Bride Magazine. You know, we have, we love weddings. But how is marriage treated? How is it treated on TV? How is it treated? I mean, it's like once you once you get a, get a wife, it seems like you lose your life. Right. Is what our culture is saying to guys, especially, that you're just, it's pretty ordinary. That yeah, it's great to get married and, and to, to say I do, but after that, it's all downhill from there. That there's not really a sense of glory, and that's that's one of the big purposes behind the book was just restoring glory to this thing that feels very ordinary. Um, God has huge intentions and expectations, and in many ways, guys, when when I found that guys don't do a lot when it's just out of obligation. Uh, when it's like, I, I, I'm supposed to love my wife. And that's what we hear every Sunday in the pulpit. It's like, hey, love your wife, love your wife, love your wife. And guys just get duty without glory always leads to drudgery. And drudgery always leads to death. And so if we're constantly giving guys duty, but we don't paint the glory of the game, the glory of the battlefield, the glory of, you know, getting the sale, the glory of whatever, guys guys don't don't last long. And so... There's glory. There's great glory in marriage, and it's just a matter of restoring that glory to a, to a guy's mind to understand exactly, you know, what am I? What am I in this for? And it's not just to be a good good man. It's not just to have a good wife and raise good kids and pay my taxes and break for animals. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it's, there's a lot uh, writing on this thing called is. marriage. There is. Pastor Brian Goins is my guest today, author of a book titled Playing Hurt, A Guy's Strategy for a Winning Marriage. Brian, let's talk about performance-based relationships. Do these have a strong track record in your mind? No. Uh, Well, they have a a very consistent track record. They fail every time. Mm. And the the, the idea of a performance-based relationship is, one that guys can relate to very well because we're judged by performance all the time. You know, you're 
measured at work by how well you perform. You measured on the, you know, on ba- at basketball or in football. What was your game, Justin? What did you play growing up? You know, I did some. I did some uh, not so ordinary sports. I, well. Uh, the hockey fans won't be happy to hear that. I played hockey, and then <laughs> yeah. I, I raced motorcycles, and I actually water oh, skied competitively, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. So I was more of a kind of an extreme sport guy because, well, I'm 5'4", so okay. it's not like I can uh, even come close to shooting a basketball or, um, right. you know. But you, but you found other comp- competitive sports to kind of get that energy out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, you're... If you're motorcycle racing or water skiing, they don't they don't grade you based on effort. Like, hey, that was really good effort. Right. It's, you know, when you your time coming across or how many scores goals you, uh, you scored in the game or whatever it might be, and so that's great in all of those venues. But when it comes to marriage, when we rate each other on how well we're looking, how how well we're acting towards each other, um, how much money we're bringing in, or how much we think the person should be bringing in, eventually those relationships will self-destruct because, you know, our bodies, I don't know about you, but I'm looking in the mirror and as I'm getting older, I'm not looking at each other. Um, and, and I don't, I, I realize how selfish I get in marriage and I don't always say the right things to Jen. And if she treated me, the, if she loved me based upon how I treated her, then our relationship would be real short-lived. Oh. We'd be keeping, keeping accounts and, you know, measuring each other, and we would turn this into statisticians, and that's not that's not what the covenant love of God is all about. You know, I remember this was like maybe the first year. I think it was the second year. I asked a a buddy of mine who's a pastor. I said, "Look, I need to I need to have a let's go grab coffee," and and I kind of laid out my case before him, Brian. I said, "Look, Amy's doing this, and she's doing this, and she's doing this, man," and. And I, I don't just, you know, I, I laid out my case and it was great. And Brian, he looks at me and he goes, Dustin, you're the problem. Mm. And I, whoa, what do you yeah. mean? What do you mean I'm the problem? Yeah, right. I've got a stack of papers here and just, you're the problem. And it was based on performance. And, and what mm. you're saying in your book here is you got to look at your performance versus a faith-based relationship. Right. Absolutely. I mean, by it, it, it's just, it's this idea that that God is the one that provided your spouse. If you truly believe that God is sovereign, that He's the one that orchestrates everything, then it wasn't by mistake that He brought your spouse to you. If you start from that point, then He uh, He sees all of the future. He knows how Jen's going to act and how I'm going to act. He knows how we're going to look later on in life. He knows if we're going to come down with a sickness or a disease. He knows how much money we're going to make. He knows what our insecurities are and our weaknesses and all of that. And if he know, knew all of that when he brought that person to our spouse, and it, regardless of how they perform, it was still God's plan for us to be together. Absolutely. He's trying to do mm-hmm. something in me more than he's trying to. You know, marriage is just not about my happiness. It's about this glory of loving an imperfect person unconditionally for a lifetime. And that's the love of God. And so marriage is that opportunity where I get to live out what God does every day with me. One of the things that I just loved, you, you said, my problem in marriage is not that I don't know what to do. I simply don't want to do it when the game's on the line. Yeah. And that is so true. Why is it, Brian, that we just don't want to move forward when it's, when yeah. it's hot or when it's icy cold in the marriage? And what is it about us? We'll do it on the court or on the field, Brian. But when it comes to our marriage, man, it's the silent treatment. What's the oh, deal yeah. with that? Yeah. 
Yeah, my buddy has a phrase. He says, you know, our problem is not that we're we're stupid. We're just stubborn. <laughs> right. And that's uh, what I am. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know when Jen and I, I mean, my my default is the silent treatment. You know, some guys are default shouting or um, cursing or even worse. But but for me, it's the silent treatment. And and I, I, it's not like when Jen and I are at odds with each other, I hear the voice inside me and my heart going, hey, Brian, you need to you need to speak up. You need to resolve this. You need to not let the sun go down in your anger. I mean, I can quote you chapter and verse. Sure. And I just stiff arm it. I give it to Heisman. I give the spirit to Heisman and say, ah, <laughs> I, want, I want nothing to do with that. Oh, that's, that is a visual right there. I give the spirit a Heisman. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and you know what's interesting is that play never works well. Like, if you were to run game film on all of those plays that I run, silent treatment, shouting, whatever it might be, they never work out well. It's not like afterwards you go, yes, that that really worked well. It just makes everything go south in the relationship. So the reason why the Spirit's prompting us isn't because He wants to, you know, guilt us into doing something. It's because He wants to restore joy and life and peace and happiness back in marriage. But we're pretty stubborn. My favorite question of the book is and well I tell you I've been wrestling with this for weeks. You ask, have you ever imagined presenting your bride back to God? Mm. And Brian, I haven't. I, I've never I've never considered that and boy, that is that is a game changer right there. For for Almighty God to give us our brides to love and to cherish and adore these beautiful godly women to take care of them. And to, at the end of our lives, say, here, she's, I guess she's always been yours, but she's really yours now because she's going to be with you. Did I do a good enough job to take mm-hmm. care of her? That's how I mm-hmm. kind of process that. Is that, is that the way you meant to write it or does that, am I, are you tracking yeah. with me there? Okay. Well, in Ephesians 5, it's just, it's weird. It, you know, it says, love your brides like Christ loves the church. Love your wives like Christ loves the church. But we don't move on and read the rest of it. The rest of it gives the reason why. And this is what frustrates guys so much, is that when they don't know why, they don't do what. You know, they don't do mm-hmm. what they're supposed to do. They do it for a little while. But after that verse, it says, because, in the same way, Jesus is going to present the bride back to himself, back to God. He's speaking in the Trinity form there, that he's, there's going to come a day where Jesus presents the bride back to God in all of her beauty and radiance. And in the same way, husbands, is what it says there, we are to love our brides like 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 ourselves. And so he's going he paints this picture and I, I hit that. I'd never seen that before mm. that and it got me thinking because there is no marriage in heaven. And so if there's no marriage in heaven, really what I'm my time on earth with my bride is just an extended date. It's just a really it's just it feels like a long date, but it's gonna pass by really, really quick. The decades will turn into days, and before I know it, I'm going to be saying goodbye to my wife, or she's going to be saying goodbye to me. When we get to heaven, we won't be together. Um, we'll be with God. And so, you know, the idea is, is that just like Jesus presents the bride back after loving us while we're here on earth, I'm going to, have, I'm going to be accountable. Really, headship means far more about stewardship and accountability than dominance and priority. And in my mind, I've got a dog. Do you have kids? We don't. We do not have kids. Yeah. Okay. Got an evil. So got, a, we got an evil cat and a dog. So. Okay. Well, you close. You know. You know. Pets are. <laughs> that take a lot. Of, take a lot of work too. But I, I got a fourteen-year-old daughter. Anybody listening in the audience, if you just think about your daughter. If they have daughters, especially as they get older, any dad that ends up turning his 
little treasure over to a boy who's like a 16-year-old hormonally charged punk. Gonna take, <laughs> you know what's going through his head. Oh, absolutely. I know what's going through my head. And if he were to bring back my daughter, my treasure, after a date, and she was not held held up in, in high esteem, I know what I'd do. Yep. Pastor Brian oh. Goins is my is my guest today, author of Plain Hurt, A Guy's Strategy for a Winning Marriage. Brian, thank you so much uh, for your time and the book. You can pick up the book on the website. You can visit DustinDanielsRadio.com. And let's remember the Word of God. The kingdom of God isn't just a lot of talk. It's living and living in God's power. I love you. We'll see you next week. The Dustin Daniels Radio Show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. This information is given with the understanding that neither the host nor the station is engaged in rendering counseling advice for your personal situation. If you need further help, we encourage you to seek the services of a Christ-based counseling professional. For more information on the radio show, visit DustinDanielsRadio.com.